Hello, and welcome to Laity, a podcast where you get to hear memorable and sometimes miraculous encounters with God. I'm your host, Beverly Luenya. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Laity. Today, my guest is a good friend of mine uh, named Seth. He is going to be talking to us about how um, God has impacted his life and just giving us a little bit of his story. So welcome, Seth. Hi, glad to be here. Great, glad to have you. So why don't we start by you telling us your name, where you're from, and what you do. Okay, Uh, so my name is Seth. I was born in Central Valley, California, where all the farmlands are. Uh, I currently live in Southern California. Um, getting my PhD in biology with an emphasis on machine learning and artificial intelligence methods, as well as getting a master's in machine learning from uh, an online program. So uh, currently I am a student uh, doing research, but hopefully that will be over with soon and I can move on to do more AI things. Yeah, sounds good. And for the record, Seth is very smart, so um, <laughs> we will be delving into his uh, scientific mind uh, a little bit later. Um, but first, Seth, why don't you um, maybe tell us a moment that you've had in your life that you felt was pretty dramatic or that you just felt God's presence? So a moment where you felt like, you know what, this is definitely God. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm. I definitely love listening to people share their stories about this topic, and I've heard people with some very crazy experiences from people that I trust, um, without a doubt, that aren't you know they're not the kind of people who lie or make things up. Um, and their experiences have been really wild things, seeing things, hearing things. Right. Um, my experience has been a little different, I guess, um, but to me, just as I guess magnificent. Right. So a recent example was when I started graduate school, um, I was looking for a church. And I I found a church that I liked, but there was mostly old people and they had really good discussions, really good debates. It wasn't like a normal church where you go and you listen to a Sunday sermon, but it's you sit there all day long and just talk about stuff, eat food together and you know share scripture. Um, I liked it a lot, but I didn't necessarily have um, people that were in my age group to hang out with and I was going to graduate school. So I figured, oh, you know, I, I just need to make sure I'm in a good group of people, right? That, that I can hang out with, that I can like, you know, do the fun social stuff with, right? So I left that church and went to another one uh, called Calvary Chapel. And I met some people there and uh, I actually had a wild experience where there was a, uh, it might sound kind of bad, but there was a, uh, somebody who's a visiting guest and they were talking about um, apologetics. And the visiting guest at the very end was like, oh, you know, and if you want to listen to my other lessons, they cost like a hundred bucks, right? And yeah, and so they were trying to charge people for some of their stuff. And yeah, whether it's right or wrong, right? Not here to debate that necessarily. Just in the moment though, a few years ago, I was upset. I went, spoke to this guy and I was like, you know, basically mad. It was like, you know, if I'm poor, like, why are you putting a block between me and evangelism, right? I had this conversation Mm -hmm. with him and obviously he didn't receive it well. Maybe not my best moment, not the best wordings, but you know, um, so I left and, uh, I was sitting there as like, you know, obviously frustrated at the situation. And then some man came to speak to me. His name was, uh, George and George was a really cool dude. I mean, he sat there, he heard me out, he understood. He's like, yeah. And, you know, and we just talked things through and 
he invited me to uh, some of their youth group, young adult stuff, uh, which I went to for a couple of times. And um, I don't know, it was a very nice experience. Gave him my number and we chatted some, you know, this is the church that he went to um, initially. And uh, so I just, you know, was talking about his faith and and how much he's like explored and all that sort of stuff. Right. And it was very, it was just cool. Um, and uh, so I, I ended up leaving that church too um, and started graduate school and had a not so good time making very poor decisions, uh, struggling with things that I guess I had never really dealt with since my youth. Um, and, uh, after a few months, I ended up finding, uh, another church. That's where I met you, Beverly at fellowship. Um, that's where I ended up going for like the following two years during that time. Um, I had really good experiences at fellowship, but I was still not necessarily living the best kind of life. I was doing my best and I had convinced myself that some of the things I was doing was okay, but it just wasn't totally true. Um, near the end, uh, I had a relationship that I finally just wanted to end. And so I ended the relationship and, um, you know, I was considering my life and where I've been and, you know, what I was doing and stuff as far as like graduate school and just everything. I really made this commitment where I was like, oh, you know, and I, I don't know why or how I got here and I am done. Right? I, I don't want that anymore. You know, I, not that I ever did in the first place, you know, by this time in my life, I was still been a Christian for, you know, 10 plus years. Um, and I, you know, I just really, really convinced myself that there is nothing more important than my relationship with God. I mean, truly there is nothing. Right. And, um, within like a couple weeks of that, um, I got a text from some stranger. Right. And, uh, this is how my experiences with God usually go. Got a text from a stranger and he said, Hey, uh, I have a uh, church I've been going to. They have a really good word. And I know you like that kind of stuff. So I just wondered if you want to come by. And I didn't know who it was, but I just said, yes. Right. Felt like, Oh, this is God taking me somewhere to teach me something new. Um, sure enough, I, I go and I get the address and it's this uh, church I went to before Calvary chapel, before I met George. Um, mm. and, uh, I go there and I go, oh, I've been to this church before. And the guy's very surprised. And I, I look at the guy, he has this huge beard and I can't recognize him at all. I mean, he looks, you know, just completely like a stranger. And I'm sitting there this whole day and uh, reminding what it's like to learn and study, right? And to hear these people who care about the, the scriptures in very in-depth way, who engage each other, who rebuke each other, who, you know, argue even, but in, in a healthy way, if that makes sense. Um, and seeing people who really care to get the nitty gritty right. And uh, it was just wonderful. I just learned so much. Um, over the course of the day, I just kept looking at this guy who invited me, and I realized this is George. He grew this big beard. He looks totally different. And oh, wow. he had <laughs> left, yeah, he had left uh, Calvary Chapel to go join this. It's a small church, by the way. It's called Simcott Yeshua Messianic Fellowship. It's a church I'm still going to. Um, and it's uh, very small, like 20 people in a very small denomination, and um, like almost nobody even has heard about it kind of thing. Right. So the fact that he ended up there was just incredibly wild, you know? And, um, I had just been reading through the portion of Exodus and, uh, I guess the, uh, Old Testament that was referring to the, um, tabernacle and the creation of the tabernacle. Right. I remember reading through this and going, now ah, what spiritual value is there in this? Right. It's just a bunch of, you know, knit this, stitch that, right. A couple of this here. And I was like, nah, I just skimmed through it. I literally remember thinking the thought, I don't know what I could get out of this. I'm sure there's something. I just don't know. And when I got there, George was actually teaching on that subject, right? It had come up in discussion. 
um, just by happenstance. Mm -hmm. And he was sharing about all the symbolism of the tabernacle, every piece, all this uh, intensity that goes into the construction of every individual piece, even pieces that people would never see in the veil and all this artistic work, all this, uh, I guess, um, you know, focus and attention, right? Very, a lot of attention to detail to every little piece and how this is, uh, and then it makes a, stain, a, claim, uh, a claim that says the tabernacle is one, right? All these different pieces, but you hook it up such that the tabernacle is one. And he's talking about the body of Christ in this case, right? Where you have, you know, no longer is the house of God or the temple of God, right? Like a tabernacle, no longer is the commandments written in and placed into a you know stone tablet inside the ark, but rather the commandments are on your heart, right? This tabernacle, this house is the body of Christ, right? Um, and so the attention to detail that they took there ought to be reflected in the way that we care for, you know, other members of the body and how we try to help each other and raise each other up and the attention to detail we take care of, uh, put into our own selves, right? And the fact that we are one, mm -hmm. right? Remembering that we're all part of the body. We all have a purpose here that's unified, right? A unified goal that we want to work together. And I was blown away that he was sharing this and that the, I guess the level of coincidence there required, right? That I'd meet somebody who's never heard of this denomination I was a part of, right? Before and um, the fact that he ended up there, that he invited me, that the timing was right when I decided, you know, I reminded myself about how I wanted to live my life. Mm. To me, this is what I see. I, I think, you know, it's little things like that over and over and over where I just trust that the place I'm at, the person who wants to say, hey, do you want to talk? I just always say yes. And I always learn something from it. I'm always being um, brought to be a, I guess, a different kind of person than I was before, like a better person. To me, that's been my experience with, with God so far. And it's, not as big and dramatic necessarily as somebody who's heard like a thundering voice from the heavens, you know, but it's definitely real enough to me that I don't question it, that I, I know when it's him, you know? Yeah. That's, um, it reminds me of, there's a book called God Incidents, mm -hmm. um, or God Coincidence, I believe it's called. Um, and it just talks about just little moments and nudges from God and the Holy Spirit that we get, um, sometimes throughout our, our day or throughout our week or month. Mm -hmm that eventually leads to these, you know, encounters. And then in hindsight, you look back and you're like, oh, it was actually God the whole time right. that was, you know, pushing me into this, this place that I'm at right now. So, yeah. Or how would you say that you knew it was God? Well, it's not quite the first time that something like that has happened, but I would just say that throughout my whole life, it's been how you described, right? Little coincidences here and there that build up so much. Like I pray and something happens. I, I mean, I ask him directly and within a week, something changes, right? That's so mm -hmm. commonplace to me, even if it's really specific prayers, even if it's really like kind of out of this world, like getting jobs or whatever, right? In, in During quarantine and then just happening. Get a job within a week, please. Boom. And it happens for somebody, right? That sort of stuff is so common to me that in my mind, I really see all things, right? My view of God is kind of intertwined in this, but it's almost always him, if that makes sense. It is. Nothing happens without him allowing, right? Much better commitment to him and his ways, right? Repentance from a lot of things that, you know, I struggled my whole life, uh, a level of peace that I have never mm -hmm. truly felt. You know, I'm 25 and I really can say that this last year, since that happened is pretty much the first time I felt actual peace, actual joy, like 
not just oh I'm looking at the bright side of things, but no, no, I'm I'm actually good. Things are things are good, you know. And so the good that came out of that, I mean, even my mother, she's um was not religious uh, at all. I mean, maybe agnostic, right? Spiritual, quote unquote, but never Christian or anything like that. And then over the course of this last year, I mean, she's come to learn a lot and is you know interested in getting baptized soon. She's uh, she'll pray with me. She'll I mean, even teach me stuff sometimes, you know, every once in a while, she's like, well, what about this verse? And I was like, I'm so happy you remember that, you know? So she started going with me to that church, um, which the specific format of this denomination helped her a lot because she likes, you know, being able to discuss and not just, you know, maybe Sunday church format where you go, you listen to a lesson and then, you know, you go home. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but she just doesn't like it. So for me to be invited to this place for these purposes, and this is the outcome of things, right? To me, that's has God's handwriting all over it. And that's, in my view, how he tends to his people for the most part. Little things all the time. You know, he just takes care of you. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's great to hear about your mom now joining um, you on this journey as mm-hmm. well. So kind of going back in time, how did you first come to faith, especially uh, growing up with uh, or within a household where um, you know, it wasn't necessarily a Christian household. How, how did you first come to faith? Yeah. So, uh, so I lived with my mom, my mom and my dad were separated. Um, my dad was a Navy SEAL, ex Navy SEAL, uh, by that point. And Mm. I grew up with my mom mostly, but I got to see my dad a lot. And I remember very vividly being young and thinking that Christianity was a hoax, right? Like I was like eight thinking, Oh yeah, Virgin Mary, she probably just lied. Right. Like things like that. I, I remember in my youth, but I also saw a lot of bad stuff. The environment I grew up in was um, not the best. Uh, my household was 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 good, all things considered, right? Even divorce and all that sort of stuff. It was still good um, compared to the people around me. And I don't mean that to insult anybody. I just mean that to say, you know, I understand how hard life can be from an outsider's perspective. You know, um, I had friends who suffered from abuse, uh, things that, you know, I could never imagine living through and and coming out on the other end as strong as they did. You know what I mean? Um, so they're very, very tough people. And I got to see all this. And I remember being young and being very disheartened by the world. Um, I did not like what was in store for me. I was even, I remember a time pulled into the office when I was like, I don't know, eight or nine. And uh, I guess I don't really remember ever saying it, but I guess they were talking to me about like suicide and stuff. And they're asking me, you know, I guess at some point I had told somebody I, I didn't want to live very long. Right. And they're asking me why. And I remember thinking, why do you, you know, what, what good is there? You all are divorced. You all have, you know, abuse and everybody goes home and screams at each other and beats each other up. You walk down the street and you get stabbed and robbed. And like, yeah, there's just, there was no hope for me. It seemed awful, you know? Um, but my dad, uh, really encouraged me to think outside the box about a lot of stuff. Um, he'd sit with me and have conversations for like, 12 plus hours sometimes at like 8 a.m. in the morning to 8 p.m. at night, just sitting in his garage working on stuff. You know, he'd drink a beer or whatever and we'd just chat, you know, and it wasn't all the time, but it did happen and it helped me. It helped me see, like just question stuff, right? Just be a little more open. And my dad is, my dad is Christian for all his, um, all his ways, right? That he's, he's struggled through and all that sort of stuff, the things he's overcome. He's, but he's very much as Christian and believes in God in a way like no other. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, he he got to share a lot of that with me, just the openness, open-mindedness, right? Truth above all else, right? Not necessarily what everybody else says, not what the world says, but what do you think, Seth? And um, he prayed with me when I was 10. And this is when I did like the sort of sinner's prayer, right? Like pray Jesus in your heart and all that. And from then I searched a lot 
I, I, I didn't just look at Christianity. I looked at everything else too. Cause I wanted to make sure, you know, if people believed in Christianity, then what's all this, you know, Hinduism business about what is even Satanism about, right? How could people believe in that if that's real? So I was just curious about people's views. And I did a lot of study from ages like 10 to 15, basically. I learned a lot about other religions. I learned about, you know, uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, and so, and, and including Satanism. In Central Valley, there's lots of people who are, you know, supposed practitioners, practitioners of witchcraft and all that sort of stuff. Every kind of Satanism, the jokes kind, but then also like the more serious kind. Um, and these are my friends. I, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, it's just this weird stuff their families did or whatever. So it, I don't know. It just didn't seem weird to me. Anyway, so, so I asked them a lot of questions about stuff and they shared with me and I was just curious, you know, but I really realized that when I prayed to God, especially in the name of Jesus, right? Almost anything I asked mm-hmm. happened. Weird stuff. Like, um, you know, my brother, he was playing a football game. Uh, his team had lost every single game that season. Uh, they were playing against the team that had won every single game that season, right? It was a surefire loss. And I didn't even know that at the at that time. But I remember praying. I said, God, if you're real, please let him win. You know, and I don't know if that's how those things work, but he won, right? And so I was like, whoa, you know, maybe, right? And um, it's just funny, little things like that all the time where I'd ask to meet people, right? Um, and I'd meet somebody who was like exactly what I was asking for, right? Or if I... Um, uh, I was in a car accident one time, actually, in high school. I had prayed just the night before. I was going to like a youth group because I was just trying to learn, try to figure stuff out, still not really concrete. I just believed that something existed, some kind of God existed, right? I asked, or I told God, I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to live anymore, right? This is awful. Hey, take me, you know, please, right? If you're willing, take me, you know? And I, uh, the next day I got into a car wreck where we flipped a bunch of times, went through a bunch of trees and all that sort of stuff. And um, I ended up climbing out and in the newspaper, it said miraculous teens survive car accident. And the first thought I had in my mind, right. During the accident actually was, you'll be okay. Like hands and feet inside the ride at all times kind of feeling, you know, it's okay. I got out. I was okay. Um, there's one girl had a concussion, but, and everybody was okay. And, um, I just immediately felt like, you know, he can take me anytime. <laughs> so don't worry so much. You know what I mean? I'm here for him, you know, <laughs> just be okay. So I would say that it's hard for me to pick an exact time that I started believing in God. Um, Cause I think the transition was slow. I believe there was something and my view of him changed over time. The God I see now has the same foundation as the God I saw before, but I just know him better. You know, I know his values more. I know what he wants, likes, what he thinks is funny, <laughs> what he doesn't think is funny, you know? So in a way, I guess you could say maybe I came to God through little experiences like that, starting with that prayer, that belief, that hope, right? The hope that something's more in this life than what we see and um, validation through that over time, which slowly made me more and more obedient and eventually into the person I am today. I hope that was a good answer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's your answer. That's the important thing. And um, it's part right. of your story. Uh, it actually sounds like um, yeah, a relationship, absolutely. you know, um, that's how I've kind of come to understand how, um, you know, God wants us mm-hmm. to relate with him, uh, just as you would have a relationship and whether it's with a family member or a friend or a significant yeah. other, it's about getting to know them. You know, like you said, something like knowing what God thinks right. is funny. A lot of people might not know this, but God does have a <laughs> sense of humor and he will make you laugh, you know, randomly during the day or, um, at any point he can, 
you know, and if you haven't experienced that, I encourage you to, you know, ask God right. to make you ask. That right. can be a prayer. Like you said, Seth, that, you know, you ask for random mm-hmm. things and, you know, God sends you those things. And it's really interesting, um, you know, to ask for it. The, it's almost like the weirder the thing you ask, the more excited God is to send it. Because then you know it's Him. It's a very specific uh, yeah. thing to ask. So, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Okay, switching gears a bit. Um, talk to me about how you have reconciled science and faith. So you are a scientist, Mm. you're doing your PhD, you're doing stuff with machine learning. It's a very technical Mm -hmm. field. Um, and you know, perceptions out there, uh, and maybe truth are that people who are in this field are usually agnostic or, or atheists, or, you know, just really don't believe that there's a God, you know, versus people of faith. So I'm just curious, how do you reconcile those two yeah yeah no absolutely i think it's a great question that people need to discuss a little bit more um i think primarily it's all a big misunderstanding you can look up some verses Mm -hmm. in the bible that don't translate well right one of my favorite examples is in first samuel 15 verse uh like 29 and then the last verse is like 35 it says god is not a man that he should regret and later on in that chapter it says god regretted making saul king it's like six verses, right? Mm. There's a, I, I do believe that the, the Bible is inspired and holy and all that sort of stuff, but the translation of it is a layer of, I guess, interpretation, right? That you're receiving. When you read whatever version, the King James version, the English Standard Version, the New International Version, you're getting somebody else's interpretation of what those words are. I mean, that that's one example where that, that contradiction doesn't necessarily exist in the Hebrew. So, there's lots of views of Christianity that people have that just straight up aren't true, right? Um, well, maybe I'm not going to say necessarily not true, but they're, they're, they don't necessarily come from the Bible, right? Views even on how we imagine heaven and hell, mm-hmm. right? Like non-biblical, mm-hmm. does it come from anywhere? Um, even Genesis, right? Genesis is a big one. The whole themes of, and like the words that you use in Genesis 1 for first day, second day, third day, right? Are like fascinating because there's words for first, second, and third that aren't actually used there in the Hebrew, right? Only day six and seven is sequential, right? There's Mm -hmm. words there for created versus made, the difference between spawning something out of nothing versus taking clay and molding it together. There's lots and lots and lots of views out there, a lot of things to be said about um, interpretations and what these things may or may not mean, right? and the same goes for a lot of the scientific views, right? Um, which I think people will get lots more angry about even discussing those things. I see that even in my field, you have a view that might actually set, might actually work, but people just laugh at you or whatever for it. So the, a lot of the differences, quote unquote, that you might see in the Bible that say, oh, this is not according to science, right? It's purely based mm-hmm. on your conception of what those things mean. I mean, take, for example, even some of the descriptions of the holy objects, right? Like there's, there's all this, you know, you could totally view it like a magical thing, quote unquote, but there's many more other explanations that are just a little more sci-fi. You could read the whole Bible in a science fiction like translation and it would make sense still. Mm -hmm. Everything would align, it would click. So I think there's not really many things in the Bible that are against science. There's arguably things that support them. I mean, you look at the foundation of like ocean currents and stuff, right? And the person who figured that out, um, 
uh, got that from the book of Job, right? Read, oh, currents within currents, what's that mean? And he went and looked and sure enough, right? There's all these currents mm-hmm. in the ocean and all that sort of stuff. So so there's there's lots of things that I don't think contradict anything at all. They don't have to. Some people take translations and they will die on those hills, but that's because it's emotionally important to them, their understanding, right? So I'm not there to knock that out from under their feet. But there's plenty of other explanations for a lot of stuff that actually make a lot of sense. You know, it could, right? And all of it is secondary to a belief in God, right? Like do whatever you can to get this in your mind that maybe it's possible. Namely, the first thing, right, for any Christian should be, is God real to you, you know? And if he is, everything else becomes kind of secondary, right? So that's been my experience mm-hmm. so far um, with science and stuff. A lot of things I read in science actually help me understand God more. Information about light and time and um, even AI, believe it or not, like how we're made and purposes for our lives and stuff. It's been fascinating. Mm-hmm. I've totally enjoyed my journey so far. It's been great. <laughs> That's good. Um, how do you approach this question of whether God is real from a scientific perspective? I think it's hard, right? Because the very definition of science is you have a hypothesis and you test it until it's wrong, right? Believe it or not, science does not prove that things are right. It just fails to prove that things are wrong, right? That's like a fundamental view. Um, mm. And I guess in a way, my whole approach has been scientific, I've never been able to prove that God isn't real. And I have lots and lots of evidence that he is right. Um, specifically mm-hmm. some of the relational stuff that I've talked about things I've learned. And at the very least I look at my life, right? The peace I have, the joy I have. I, when I was young, I saw bad things that people did and thought over time, right. I saw as they got older, they just became callous to them. They said, ah, oh, it's just how the world is. Oh, I just got to accept it. Just is what it is. You know, I still say that a lot. But it doesn't have to be. And I'm very thankful that the place I'm at now is is not what it would have been otherwise. It's more like I, I guess I am kind of taking a scientific approach to the things uh, to these things by asking for things, trying to put them into practice and seeing how my life turns out. It's turned out for the better. Therefore, I think it's real based on the words of some man who died 2000 years ago. You know, yeah. One more question yeah. about science looking into the future you're studying Mm -hmm. (laughs) machine learning how do you see where this field is going um, from an ethical perspective and now shifting back to your outlook on life through a lens Mm -hmm. of a person of faith how do you interact with what you're learning from right uh, machine learning and uh, this industry so what i'm learning right machine learning ai all that sort of stuff is just a tool right? Um, It's not inherently evil. It's not inherently good. It's just a tool. Um, It's really, really useful to figure out a lot of things, right? Um, And as we continue, it pretty much in my mind will be the premier tool for most things, right? AI is very broad. So when you say AI, you're really talking about a lot of fields that don't necessarily overlap, right? Um, I mean, maybe some broad approaches they do, but like, you know, machine learning on data science is very different than teaching a robot how to do a dance. You know what I mean? They're very, very different things. Uh, But the, it's so powerful and so uh, ubiquitous is the word, right? Like it will end up everywhere in every field. That it's it's something to watch carefully, I think. Um, Already there's been abuses of it and what I would call abuses of it in other nations. 
um, especially China, facial recognition and, uh, you know, the ability to have a sort of, um, you know, good person tax or whatever, right? Some sort of social social score, right? There's there's definitely a lot to be concerned about. I think eventually, next you know, twenty plus years or so, but it's not it's not clear how that'll turn out. And you know, with enough regulations and stuff, hopefully it'll be okay. I think the biggest issue really will come into the natural difficulties of having something that solves your problems that isn't God. It's a good thing to have medication, mm. right? It's a good thing to take a vaccine and be saved from some terrible disease, right? These are good things. Um, they protect you, right? Those are good. But it's natural to, and I think I see this a lot already, and it's natural to take those things and stop praising God for them, right? It no longer becomes, thank God for, um, you know, the fact that I'm even here and can get this, and that somebody figured this out, right? Like, you know, it becomes, oh, wow, like good on scientists, you know, which it's, it is, it is good on scientists. It's very natural, right? But I'm just saying, I think it's it naturally leads people away from this constant uh, seeking after God. And I can imagine already, I, I look at problems and go, oh, I bet AI can solve that. Oh, I bet AI can solve that one too. And, you know, I, I caught myself and realized like, wow, Seth, you're really uh, making a God out of this, you know? So I think it's going to be fascinating to see where that goes and how that influences people and their their desire to believe in God versus, um, you know, in science we trust and stuff. Science, in a way, can be its own religion, whether people, right, people can can make it into a faith-based thing, whether they realize it or not. So I think it's definitely something to watch carefully, um, consider, reflect on. Never before in our lifetime has something like this occurred. So, Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, last question. Uh, what is God teaching you now? What are you excited to be learning? This season, I guess, maybe it's the last year or so, um, we're learning about the importance of individual obedience, right? Importance of taking this stuff seriously, of, right? There's a verse in Hosea, it says, uh, for lack of knowledge, I reject you from being priests of me, right? Sounds very harsh. And he's talking to a specific group of people and all that. Mm-hmm. But just this idea that it's really important that we take individual care for each and every one of us. We are all part of a greater whole. And we need to make sure we're tending to everybody and treating each other like the body of Christ. Yeshua has a prayer, or I, I say Yeshua is his Hebrew name. Um, Jesus has a prayer in John 17. And in it, he prays that for all of the people who believe in him, right? Not everybody in the world, all the people who believe in him to be one with each other as he is one with God. That's a big prayer, right? And I think it's our duty to take that seriously and try to fulfill that. And that's, you know, a personal decision we get to make, right? every day. So you have a lot of care that you need to tend to yourself to make sure that you are a good ambassador for Christ, that you are acting in accordance with the mindset that you represent the whole body of Christ. And then also simultaneously reminding yourself that you need to be unified with your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? One thought, one mind, one action, that sort of stuff, one baptism, right? Like this all, we are supposed to be one. To me, that's the most exciting thing. I think it's really cool and I've been trying to share that with people and it seems like people want that naturally. You want community, you want all that sort of things. So I've been seeing a lot of good in my life. It's made me very happy. I've been very mm-hmm. joyful lately because of it. So um, that's what I've been learning. Yeah, that's great. It's awesome to hear. Well, Seth, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this is really great to just hear how God has impacted your life and uh, just what you've had to share with us today. 